who of you would, would really love to hear God? And often when, when, when I talk about hearing God, sometimes as believers we, we, we get our own little Christianology. Okay? It's Christian terms that, that when you talk to normal people, they're like, oh my goodness, what are you smoking? Has that ever happened to you? Just me. But when I'm talking about hearing God, I'm, I'm not talking about an audible voice. I've never heard the audible voice of God like I'm talking to you now. I've never heard that. Some people have. That's amazing. When I talk about hearing God, it's, it's, it's little nudges. Rams, come stand up next to me over here. When I talk about hearing God, stand next to me. It's like, I, I don't know if you've ever been anywhere and your mate has sort of gone, one of those. It's, it's a little nudge. It's just like, and the more you know each other, the more you know what that little nudge means. Would you agree? Thank you. You can sit down. I was actually telling you to sit down. You're cramping my style. No. So, so the, 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 more you, the more you're in relationship with a friend, the more the little nudges make sense. When you don't really know the Lord, when you don't really know Him, the Spirit, and, and He nudges you, sometimes you, you get caught a bit off balance. So what I really felt in my heart for us this evening is how do we start knowing the nudges of God? How do we start knowing when it is God is speaking to us? And the title of the message that I'm going to be sharing comes from quite a famous passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel. So Samuel was one of the greatest prophets that Israel had ever been exposed to, and he transitioned the Israelites moving from having prophets and judges to a king being established. And I think it was significant because I really feel the Lord is wanting us to start reigning and allowing the King Jesus to reign in our lives in terms of what it is we're doing. So a scripture will come up behind me, and um, I want to paint a bit of a scenario. This is what the scripture said. So Eli, who was an older prophet, directed Samuel, go back and lie down. If the voice calls again, say, speak God, I'm your servant ready to listen. Now, the backdrop to that story is Samuel was a promised son. His mother, Hannah, couldn't have children. And one year in desperation, after years of barrenness, after years of being teased by her friends for, for not being able to bear a child, she goes to the temple and she cries out to God, desperate for him to break through. And as she's crying out, Eli the prophet sees her and he's like, this woman must be drunk because she's going like, on crazy. Her lips are moving, nothing's coming out. So he goes to her and he says, please stop drinking. It's very early in the morning. That's a problem. You should see someone. And so she says, no, no, please, please don't get me wrong. I haven't been drinking. This is the earnest desire of my heart. I'm crying out to God for a child. So he looks at her and he says, let God grant your desire. She was so desperate for a gift from God that she was crying out with everything inside of her. And I feel that there are people here this evening that are trusting God for something. Your heart is crying out for something, for something that, that, that you've been hanging in for, perhaps for a long time. Even the words that have come earlier have confirmed that. And I feel the Lord saying, I'm going to meet you where you're at tonight. So within the next year or so, she gives birth to this child called Samuel, and she dedicates him to the Lord. That was one of her conditions. She said, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll dedicate him to you. So he goes to the temple and he starts serving Eli as this little boy. And he's this little boy and he's doing all the rituals and, and the religious things in the temple. And yet he doesn't know the, hero, uh, the, the voice of God. So he's lying one night sleeping and he hears this voice say, Samuel. 
And, and he gets up and he thinks it's Eli's talking. So, so he goes to Eli and he says, Eli, here, here I am, you called. And Eli says, go back to bed, I didn't call you. So he goes back to bed. And he's busy sleeping again. And the second time it says, Samuel, Samuel. And, and, and he doesn't know the voice because he doesn't have a revelation of who God is. He's doing all the rituals. He's serving in the temple. He's being a good Christian. He's going to services. He's doing everything. But he doesn't know the voice of God. So he goes to Eli again. And he says, Eli, you called. Now Eli starts getting a bit tense. He's like, I'm an old man. I'm sleeping. You keep waking me up. You know my sleep is precious. I get cranky when I don't sleep. Go back to bed. That's, that's not in the Bible. That's just a bit of poetic license. So he goes back to bed. And the third time, he hears a voice. Samuel, Samuel. A third time he goes back to Eli. Eli now clicks. And he says, the next time you hear the voice, answer and say, speak God, I'm your servant ready to listen. And that takes Samuel to a whole new relationship with the Almighty God. And God starts speaking to Samuel and directing him. And that young boy changes the history and the course of Israel through God. Isn't that amazing? Now in the Old Testament, it was very rare for God's voice to actually be heard. It was literally like special people and a couple of prophets. And everyone else had to live like waiting for what the prophet was going to tell us to do. And then we'd do that. But when Jesus Christ came to earth, he established a relationship between the Father and us as individuals. So every single one of us gets to enjoy that same relationship that Samuel had with God, where we can hear God. We get to enjoy it because of Jesus. Can I tell you the unfortunate thing? Is that most of us still live with that Old Testament mentality of we've got to come to a service like this to hear someone talk to us so that we can know what God is saying. Or we wait for someone to give us a prophetic word like, like Tapiwa had, and, and you wait for those things. And the devil is robbing us because so many people today are living with this religious mentality as opposed to a relational intimacy. Friends, God wants a relational intimacy with each of us. So how do we move into this relationship with God in reality? So I want to talk to three things. The first thing I want to talk to is the fact that your view of God can stunt you hearing God. If we could go, uh, go to the next slide, Lombard. Your view of God can stunt your ability to hear God. Can I tell you the problem with church? is so many people view this as church, where in fact we as believers are the church. So many Christians look to people in the church instead of looking to Jesus. So many people based on offense and imperfect people that call themselves Christians have now picked up an offense toward God. Has that ever happened to you? You have someone do something that's a Christian, and you think, if that is a Christian, I never want to be a Christian. Is it only me? The challenge is all of those past experiences start impacting our view of God. Broken relationships. God, where were you? Deaths of family members and close friends. How can God let those people die if He really loved them? People that have been suffering with disease and perhaps not healed. 
How can God do that? People that have been crying out to God for breakthrough, and breakthrough never comes. Where is this loving God? But our view of God cannot be defined through our circumstances. It has to be defined through the truth of His Word. So what I wanted to do, just as a starting point, is I wanted to paint a true picture of God. The first scripture is John 3, verse 16 and 17. And this is probably one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible. And it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Now, there are two critical words over there which I want to look at. The word loved, which in Greek is agapeo, and the word saved, which in the Greek is sozo. Now, agapeo is where we get agape love from. And I think in our environment, love has been watered down to when you see a, a nice lady as depicted in movies on you know, TV, and there's some kind of attraction, oh, I'm in love. Friends, that is not love. The best description that I've heard of this agape love is when you put someone else in a better position at your expense, expecting nothing in return. Husbands, who of you love your wives? Who of you put your wives in a better position at your own expense, expecting nothing in return? Whew. At least she should make coffee for me in the morning, Trev. That's the least that, you know, I put bread on the table. I go to work. She stays at home. I go to work. When I come home, all I want to do, I want to put my feet up and I just want to watch a bit of TV. Is that too much to ask? Husbands, do you love your wives? If you look at that text, love is agapeo. It's not romantic love. It's not eros love. It's not friendship love. It's not phileo love. It is agape love. We can only agape love our wives when we have understood the agape love of God. Wives, do you love your husbands? You thought you were getting off, eh? Do you put your husband in a better position at your own expense, expecting nothing in return? Friends, that is love. Everything else is lust. I remember going to marriage counseling before Abigail and I were married. And the person marrying us said, uh, tell me why you want to marry Abigail. I'm like, oh, she's so beautiful. And, you know, she makes me feel so good. And, you know, I'm, I know I'm a better person, you know, with her at my side. And after I'd given this whole long, what, what would have been in any movie context, really romantic, you know, exposition of love, he looked at me and said, you know what I hear? I hear it's all about you. And that's not love, that's lust. Excuse me? I just heard about how, how, how she's attractive and that you know, looks good on your arm and how, how she makes you feel good and how she makes you a better person. You are at the center of everything. Tell me how you're going to lay your life down for your wife and then we start talking about love. Friends, God so loved, He so agaped us, He so agaped you and you, sir. He so agaped you. He so unconditionally loved you. He so wanted to put you in a better position than when you are right now. He so loved you that he sent his son to die for you. We don't understand what love is. Because if there is a God that loves us, how could he ever do anything to hurt us? 
the second thing it says is it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Too many people who call themselves Christians are going around condemning the world. So, so you, you, you're sleeping with your girlfriend and you're not married? <whistles> Hectic. Don't want to be near you when the lightning strikes. What? what? You, you, you're a person of another faith? You're not a Christian? You're going to hell. Don't burn. How is that the right picture of God? Where Jesus says he came not to condemn the world, but to sozo, to save the world. That word sozo means to save, to heal, to deliver, and to make whole. Friends, there are people that need deliverance. They are bound by hurt. They're bound by rejection. They're bound by pain. There are people that need healing. They are bound by sickness. They're bound by disease. And when we start having a clear picture of God, it changes our relationship with God. God is love, and He came to save, heal, deliver, and make whole. And any other picture that you have of Him is not right. The second scripture I want to read is John 10.10. And it says, the thief, this is talking about the devil, the thief, the spirit of this world, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy But Jesus came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I've had close friends that have passed away. A guy who was like a hero to me. I was 17 years old. He was 21. The most inspirational guy that I had probably met. One of the most inspirational. Amazing guy. I love God. Died in a car crash, age 21. His motto that he used to encourage all us younger guys with was you only live once, make it count. 21 years old. Now you could get into this downward spiral of God, why did you take him? You're supposed to be sovereign, why did you take him? Who steals, kills and destroys? Is it God or is it Satan? Not God, friends. God came. Jesus came so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. If you think God steals, if you think God kills, if you think God destroys, your picture of God is wrong. The picture of God is wrong. Job. I'm not sure who of you have any re- any of you have ever read the book of Job. It's a tough book to read. I need to make a little confession here. Until recently, I, I'd, I'd never really read the book of Job. Thoroughly, and, and we're doing a preaching series back at home, and I got given a topic to preach around the book of Job. Sort of threw me in the deep end. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to read Job now. Now, for those of you who don't know, Job, Job is a story about this dude who starts off at the beginning of Job, and it says he's a righteous man, and he's an upstanding man, and he's this very wealthy man, and he had a whole lot of sons, a whole lot of daughters. And in a day, seven sons and daughters died. All his cattle were stolen. All his camels were stolen. All of his servants were killed, and he's exposed. And so Job turns to God and he says, God is my accuser. Why have you done this? And you know what the backdrop is to the story that he doesn't see? Satan goes to God and he says, Job only loves you because everything's going right in his life. He says, turn your hand against Job and see if he still loves you. 
So the devil was accusing Job, and he says to God, turn your hand against Job and see if he still loves you. So you know what God does? He doesn't turn his hand against Job. What he does is he says, Satan, I will allow you to oppose Job, but you're not allowed to take his life. And there's this incredible story, and and I could do a whole preach on it, but that's not the point. But by the end, Job realizes that he never knew God. And only through all of his trials did he have this personal revelation of who God was and did he start to communicate with God one-on-one. So for me, when I read that, I see God is so obsessed with us knowing him and being able to communicate with him that he will allow the devil to oppose us, to press us more into God's presence, to make us cry out more for God. Did God turn his hand against Job? No. Did Job think God did? Yes. Who was the person who was opposing Job? It was Satan. Now the point I'm trying to make here, and I know I'm taking a bit long, but your picture of God is critical in hearing God. If you have the wrong picture of God, you're not going to hear Him, or else you're going to hear a voice that is cleverly disguised as God's voice. It's not Him. The last scripture that I want to read with regard to your picture of God, uh, is John 10, 27, verse 29. And it says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who is giving them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. You see, friends, we serve a God who's never going to let you go. He's never going to let you escape the grasp of His loving arms. 2 Timothy 2 verse 13 says, even when we are faithless, when we turn our backs on God, He is faithful to us. I feel that there are people here, even this evening, that that you've turned your back on God because of circumstance, because of what's happened, because of what people have done to you who've called themselves Christians. And God is saying, although you have turned away from me, I cannot let you go. I will not let you go. Because I agape you. I want to put you in a better position at my expense, expecting nothing in return. I agape you. Nothing you can do, nothing you can say can turn my love away from you. I agape you. Guys, we, we've got to get our picture of God right if we're going to hear God. The second thing that I want to do is, is I want to talk very practically about how do you hear God's voice. And it's three things, and Lombard, if we can go there, listen, believe, and love. Listen, believe, and love. Now, I want to read a a scripture, and it's it's rather lengthy, but I'm going to read it quite quickly because it sets the platform of the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When Jesus left, and in John 14, and then later in chapter 16, he says, it is to your advantage that I go. So imagine Jesus' disciples have been with him three years. I mean, he's like their, their dude. He's the guru. They walk around with him. He talks to people. The lame get raised. They walk around with him, he touches people, and leprosy is gone. They see him standing up to the religious people of the day and question them and make them look silly because of their religiosity. He's like awesome. So for three years, I mean, think of the most awesome person that you know in the world. Okay, no, you can't think of me. Okay, think of the most awesome. That was a joke. Bad joke, but it was a joke. Think of the most awesome person in the world that you know. If they had to be going away forever, and you're never going to see them again. And they say, don't worry, it's to your advantage that I go, because when I go, I'm going to send someone who's even better for you than I've been. That's what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. 
You see, Jesus could only be in one place at one time when he lived. But when he left, his Holy Spirit was able to be everywhere at the same time. And wherever we go, the Holy Spirit is with us. It's like Jesus with us directing our path. Now I'm going to show you how this is true. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 and 13 to 13. It says, but, at his, uh, but as, as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. So what God is saying here, in your wildest dreams, think of what your relationship with me could look like, and you're still not even close. Think of what a relationship, intimacy with the Almighty God looks like, and you're not even close. It goes on and it says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of the person which is in him? And also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So Clint, I don't know who of you, who of you know Clint? Hands up. Who of you know he's a fairly interesting character? Okay. There is no way that I'm going to know what Clint is thinking now. Only Clint's Spirit within him knows what he's thinking. Okay. Now, what this scripture is saying, in the same way no one knows what Clint's thinking except the Spirit of God, no one knows what God is thinking. No one knows what God is thinking except who? The Spirit of God. But now if you go on, it says, we haven't received the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God. So if we are believers, if we've put our trust in Jesus, He has given us His Spirit to think the thoughts of God. Isn't that cool? Now I want to share one more scripture with you and, and then we're going to get practical. So in James 4 verse 7 to 8, I had to hear this preached three times before I got it because I'm, I'm fairly slow. A anyone else who wants to admit to being slow with me when it comes to hearing God? Okay, that's, that's great. I, I, I'm happy to, I'll put two hands up. I had to hear this preached three times, the same message. Who of you have ever heard the same message preached three times? Okay? I had to hear the same message preached three times in order for me to get this. And it's actually quite simple. But I'm now I'm dealing with the higher grade Dubai crowd, so hopefully you get it first time. We think thoughts. Now the origin of those thoughts can only be three places. One, it's my thoughts. It's my spirit. Two, it's the devil's thoughts through the spirit of this world, okay? Or three, it's God's thoughts through the Holy Spirit. There are only three sources of the thoughts that we think. Three sources. This scripture is awesome because it says, submit yourselves therefore to God. So if there, there are three possible sources of the thoughts. If I've submitted to God, what happens to my thoughts? Boom. Okay, it's gone. The next says, resist the devil. And when you resist him, it says he has to flee from you. He has to. If we are resisting the devil, the spirit of this world, the spirit of pride, the spirit of materialism, the spirit of lust, if we're resisting the spirit of this world, the devil, what has to happen? He has to go. So what happens to his thoughts? Boom, they're gone. If we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. So which thoughts remain? The thoughts of God. This morning I was preparing and I locked myself away in a room and um, I heard my daughter running around. I heard these little footsteps and then she started crying. 
Yes, and as soon as I heard her crying, I was out of there. You know, preparation can wait. It's fine. I went and looked for her, and I picked her up. And she's like, Daddy, I was looking for you everywhere, and I couldn't find you. I looked outside. I looked under the bed. It's like this, this high, under the bed. I looked under the bed. I looked under the table. I looked at the toilet. I looked at the kitchen. I couldn't find you anywhere, Daddy. What am I trying to say? My daughter was searching for me, and as soon as I heard that she was searching for me, I went to let her be found. The Bible says that we as earthly fathers are wicked fathers compared to Him. Guys, if you're searching for God, He won't allow you to be put to shame. He won't allow you to stand in the dining room crying because you're looking for Him and you can't find Him. Now, you need to take a step of faith. So this is listening, but then you need to believe. So what happened to me, the first time that I activated this, I told Peter the story this week. We, we went for a coffee together, but I told him the story. It was quite funny. So I've just heard that I can think the thoughts of God. I can hear God's little nudges through thoughts that I think. Okay? Before, I thought, just, I thought you needed to be in a service like this, and, and, and the musician must be just leading, you know, and the presence is there, and you feel this warm and fuzzy, and you feel like God's like there with you, and it's like, oh, this is great. That's what I thought. That's how you hear God. So I'm at gym, and I'm busy doing super circuit. Who, who of you have ever done super, a super circuit? It's like, you know, you do the weights, and then because you really hate yourself, you want to run up at the stairs, up and down. And those little green and red lights, they control your moods. You know, when it's red, you're like, thank you, Jesus. Then it's green, it's like, you suck. Okay, and it's like you, you're busy doing this, and you're sweating, and it's hectic. And, you know, there's no, they, they never have water stations by the super circuits. like they want to kill you through thirst and dehydration. So you're busy doing super circuit. I'm running up and down. And I look at this guy, and a thought comes into my mind. There's something wrong with his right shoulder. Just a thought. I'm not being spiritual. There's no worship music in the background. It's just a thought. So I'm, I'm running. I'm like, that's weird. And so I feel this little nudge, the little nudge. Like, that was me, like, go and talk to him. I'm like, well, what do you mean it's you? It's just a thought. So the Lord reminds me of this. The, the scripture I've heard for the third time. And he's like, did you submit yourself to me today? Yes. Have you resisted the devil? Yes. Are you looking to draw near to me and, and know me more? Yes. So whose thought was that? Yours. Now go and talk to him. No. Why? Because every time God gives us a thought, he gives us a nudge, we have a choice. The choice is either we go and we step out in faith, we believe it was God, or the choice is not. I don't want to look like a fool. But here's the incredible thing. When you learn to hear God, when you learn to hear his voice, it's like learning a new language. Who of you have, have, have ever learned a new language? And, and how do you start off learning the language? You get the tenses wrong, you, you say the wrong words, but it's fine because you know you're learning. You, you're willing to be imperfect. You're willing to make mistakes. You're even willing to have silly conversations. You know? Bonjour. <laughs> yes. Oui, oui. S'il vous plaît. You're willing to take a step of faith because you are learning a new language. And yet, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to learning God, it's either you don't hear God or you hear Him perfectly and there's no middle ground. Guys, it's like learning. You've got to take steps. So, you know what I did? It was like either stay and die on the super circuit or go talk to the guy. So I was like, okay, I'll go talk to him. So I went up to him, and it's like one of those guys who, you know, wears the white beard, and like his arms are like as big as my thighs, and he drops the weights, and he's like, Ugh! you know, you know those guys, and they look at themselves in the mirror, 
They're like, if I stare, I'm going to get even bigger. It's like he's allergic to oxygen. His body just swells up every breath he takes. Okay? So I go to this guy, and, and, and I'm like, I'm like um, hi. <laughs> you know, and he's like, hi. So they're like fully awkward now. So I'm like, um, is there something wrong with your right shoulder? So he's like, yeah. As I heard a gymming, and yeah, I can't. I, I, how did you know? So I'm like, no, God told me. I'll pray for you. Cheers. <laughs> and that was it. That was my first experience of hearing a thought of God and responding. I've improved since that. But, but guys, we get to hear the thoughts of God. Isn't that amazing? For our own lives, we need to listen, we need to believe, we need to activate, but then we need to love. Everything that we do when hearing God's voice needs to be done in love. I want to make a confession. I started practicing hearing God's voice. I remember the second time it, it happened to me like that. I was at the mall, and I walked past the service truck. I was, I was going to a shop, and I walked past the service truck, and as I walked past, God's like, Sipo. So I'm like, Gesundheit, and I kept walking. And, and, and he's like, no, Sipo, go and talk to that man. He's got a son called Sipo. But now it's a thought. It's not like audible voice, not writing on the wall. It's a thought. It's a simple thought. So now I've got a decision again. I'm like, no, man, this is awkward. It's parking lots, people looking. So I keep walking, and it's like the Lord's like, do you want to hear my voice more or do you want to ignore me? I want to hear your voice more. Are you willing to look like a fool for me? To love that man? Okay. So I walked to him. Now, now he's like a service dude. So I'm like, hey, what you doing? <laughs> it's like service track, you know. He's like in and out. So he's like, no, I just had to go there. And like, so I'm like, I'm awkward. Now, now God told me, Sipo, he's got a son called Sipo. So now I want to feel the water arm. So I'm like, hey, do you, do you, do you have any boys? Yeah, I've got three. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Okay. There's at least a chance. So I'm like, um, hmm. So one of them named Sipo. Eyes go big like this. He's like, yes, the youngest. So I'm like, yeah. I don't know where to go from here because I'm just learning. I'm, I'm awkward. So I'm like, yeah, God, God told me, like, you, you have a son called Sipo, and uh, is he okay? Is, is he well? So the guy's like, yeah. So I'm just like, you know what? I, I, just, I just feel like God's saying he loves your boy. <laughs> and you don't have to worry about him. God's looking after him. He starts crying. We're in a parking lot. I'm feeling awkward. He's, I don't know what he's feeling, but he's crying. So I'm like, can I pray for you quickly? He's like, sure. Why? Because God is a God who loves you. God pays people. And he needs to use us like Eli needed to show Samuel, how to hear God's voice. God wants to use us to show people that He's real. We're living in a world that has so convinced people that God is not real. It's just religion. And God wants to break through. And He wants us to take a step of faith because He loves people. We need to listen. We need to believe. But then we need to love. And the Bible says, perfect love casts out fear. When we're hearing God and we're loving people and loving God, it doesn't matter. Fear can't stop us. The last story I want to tell you before, before we go into a bit of practical outworking is a story about a camp that, that I was on. I was talking at a young person's camp. So I'm going there and, and now I've got into this habit now of trying to you know, hear God, just think his thoughts because I know if I submit to God, if I resist the devil here fully from me, if I draw near to God, I get to think his thoughts. Most amazing thing. So I'm sharing with a bunch of young people 
at a youth camp. And I'm, I'm waiting. I'm like, Lord, like, give me some thoughts. What, what, what are you wanting to do? Who are you wanting to love on this evening? And I feel the Lord say, there's someone here who's had back pain for 14 years. I want to heal them. So I'm like, Lord, do, do you realize that most people in this camp are like 13 to 18 years old? You're not giving me a high probability yet. But I have a decision. Either I believe or I don't believe. So I believe. So I share a message and then at the end I'm, I'm like, just I feel God wants to love people. He wants to minister to them. He wants to sozo people. He wants to save, heal, deliver and make whole. So I say, um, gee, is there anyone here who's had back pain for 14 years? This young lady gets up. 15 years old. As a baby, she like had a spine defect or something like that. Has had back pain for 14 years. Has loved dancing, but can't dance because when she, start da- she starts dancing, her back gets too sore. So I call her up. And like, who of your friends wants to see your friend healed? Yes, a whole bunch of them. They come around. We sit on a chair. We, we lift her legs. Her one leg is shorter than the other. And what often happens when you've got back pro- problems, your legs try and compensate. So one leg's shorter than the other. I don't do anything. I stand back and I say, Jesus, not me, Jesus loves your friend so much. Pray for it to be healed. These little kids, 13, 14, start praying for their friend. Her leg grows. She gets up. For the next 14 minutes, you couldn't stop her dancing. She was dancing and she's saying, there's no pain. Guys, God is real. And that song we sung earlier, and I'm going to ask Ramsey and the team to go up. That song we sang earlier, you can go up now if you don't mind. That song we sang earlier, Holy Spirit, break the walls down. Our past experiences build up walls. The way we've read the Bible has built up walls. Our view of God has built up walls. But friends, this evening, I believe God wants to break in and He wants to start communicating to you directly. I was talking to my wife um, earlier today, and um, as we were talking, something that she said, which, which made sense, which I've added to it, says, there can be evidences of God in your life and still a lack of personal in- intimacy. I'm married to my wife, and there can be evidence of her presence in my life. But unless, unless I'm sitting talking to her, there will never be intimacy. I can wake up in the morning and I can, you know, see her clothes laid out on, uh, laid out on the bed and I can know that, that she's there. She can make me an awesome meal and I can get home after work and I can eat the meal and I can know she prepared it for me. She's there. I can hear a song. That's our song and I can think fondly about like when we had our first dance at our wedding. But unless I talk to her, I will never develop a relationship with her. And I think so many Christians live with an evidence of God's presence in their life. God is blessing you at work. It's awesome. It's God's evidence. God gives you a word or God shows himself to be real. It's presence of his evidence in your life. But unless you're having a communicative relationship with him, 
there will never be intimacy. There has to be a personal relationship. If I don't sit down with my wife one-on-one and talk and pray and love together, there will never be intimacy, only an evidence of her presence in my life. And I think so many Christians live with an evidence of God's presence in their life, but they lack the personal relationship. I know, and my wife will tell you this, we, we had a, like a bit of a fight about a week ago, and the reason for the fight was we haven't been able to sit down and talk for a while. We were in different countries. We had a fight. Anyone else have fights with your significant others? Only me. Thank you, Jesus. As soon as we start talking, as soon as we start spending time together, everything changes. Guys, I'm feeling this evening, God wants to draw you into a personal, intimate relationship. And the way He does that is by talking directly to you. Not through me, not through Rom, not through the elders, not through good worship, not through a sunset, not through nature, not through a nice song. He wants to talk to you directly. Who of you wants to have God talk to you directly? Just you, personally. Okay, we're going to do an exercise. You'll see you've got a little pamphlet on your chair. So I'm going to ask um, Penny just to sing that song about we're waiting for you, the one you sang. And what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you to do something very simple. And we're practicing here. This is like learning a new language. Okay? I want you to say, Dear Lord Jesus, I submit myself to you. When Eli told Samuel what to do, he said, God, speak. I'm your servant, ready to listen. He said, I'm your servant. He submitted himself to God. So I'm going to ask you to say, Lord, I, I may not you know, know what I'm doing. This may be a bit awkward, but I really want to hear your voice. I, I want to know you personally. Not just through a song, not just through a preach. I want to know you. Because you are a God of love. And I want to know that God. So I want you to say, Lord, I submit myself to you. Can we bring that scripture up? James 4, 7 and 8. I submit myself to you. Then you're going to pray, Lord, I resist the devil. And devil, you have to flee in Jesus' name. And then you're going to say, God... I draw near to you and I ask that you would speak to me now. Speak to me through my thoughts. And and I want you to then take a step of faith. Whatever you think, whatever you think, I want you to write it down. Whatever you think. Whatever you think. I did this today because I, I, I try and start every day asking the Lord what's on your agenda for me and I write down his thoughts and um, you know what the Lord told me today he said I want you to spend more time in my presence and he said I want you to start prioritizing your wife and kids more I'm a guy who's in business and I find that I get so busy with business and the chores of business that I don't prioritize my wife and my children like I necessarily should. It was simple, but when God spoke it, I just felt this, this weight fall off my shoulders. Because when He speaks, a peace comes in your heart. So Penny's going to sing lightly in the background, and I, I want you just to do what's up on the scripture, and I want you to take.
I want you to take a step of faith and I, I want you just to write down anything that comes to mind. Is that cool? Okay, so we're just going to take a couple of minutes. We're just practicing. It's fine. If you get it wrong, it's fine. But I know God wants you to hear His voice. It's like me with my daughter. I, I want her to talk to me. I want to talk to her. I love her. It's the same way with God and us. Let's take a moment. Let's take a moment.